podcast of Antioch Church in Colorado Springs. If you've been impacted by this ministry and would like to support the work we're doing in Colorado Springs, you can give online at our website, antiochcos.com. We hope that the Lord ministers to you through this message. Guys, grab your Bibles this morning if you have them. Let's go to the book of Acts. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Y'all know me in Acts. <laughs> I just love it. I just love the book of Acts, y'all. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. And before we read the word, Lord Jesus, you are the Lord of the church. And you are the Lord of this church. You are the Lord of this people. You are the Lord of this house. Jesus, we not only acknowledge your Lordship, we submit to your Lordship, Jesus. All of this is about you. All of this is for you. The things known and the things unknown, Jesus, this all centers around you. Jesus, if there were no you, there would be no purpose. There would be no meaning. God, I feel like Moses today that if you don't go with us, God, we're not going. We're not, we're not just going to do this thing. We're not going to just gather if you're not here calling us and creating something of the kingdom inside of us and building something that's eternal in us and through us. God, we need your Holy Spirit. We want your Holy Spirit. We are so desirous of the things of God. We are so desirous today of the power and the presence and the movement and the ministry and the activity of your spirit. Come Holy Spirit, breathe on the preaching of the word of the living God. Open hearts and open minds. We pray these things today in Christ's name. Amen. Christ is risen, Antioch. Amen, I agree. Let's go to Acts chapter 16, verse 6, and I'm going to do my best to knock this out of the park in 15 minutes, maybe 20. We'll come to the table. We'll be sent out of this place into a glorious memorial weekend. Verse 6, Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And when they came to the border of Messiah, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them. So they passed by Messiah and they went down to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging. Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him come over to Macedonia and help us. Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging, come and help us.
out all over the world right now. There are people in North Korea, people in Pakistan, people in Colombia and Cuba. God, there are people in Germany, people in Juarez, Mexico. God, there are people here in our own city. They're saying, come, help us, help us. Verse 10, after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once. We got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and we sailed straight for Samothrace and the next day on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi and a Roman colony, a Roman colony, the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside of the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. And we sat down and we began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. The Lord opened her heart to respond. And when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. And she said, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. There just really is so much here and not enough time to really get into the meat and the depth of what is happening here. We're in the fifth week of Eastertide. Five weeks ago, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, the capstone and the cornerstone of the Christian faith. This, song, this morning, we sang a song. Everything has changed, right? This changes everything. The life, the death, the resurrection, the advent of Jesus, the ascension of Jesus literally changed the course of humanity. And here we are in what the church calendar calls Easter tide. The time between resurrection and Pentecost, which was coming up in a few weeks now, is what we call Easter tide. And it's learning how to now live in the light of the resurrection. How do we live this new life? How do we ponder? How do we reflect upon life in the resurrection? And how do we allow that to form us? How do we allow that to form our hope and to form our anticipation? How do we become a type of community that can respond to things like this because we are living in the light of the resurrection? And what we see right here in Acts chapter 16 is a man by the name of Paul, who was radically and gloriously delivered by the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a murderer. He was a murderer and God encountered him and in a moment revealed the Christ to him. And at Antioch in the New Testament, with the first missions sending church of the New Testament, we find in Acts chapter 13 that Paul and one of his buddies is called aside by the Holy Spirit, and he's sent out to begin pioneering to bring the message of the gospel to Gentile nations. And so what we find right here in Acts chapter 6 is that he is going back now and he's visiting all these churches that he established because he would go into a place. This place had no gospel presence. I mean, literally unchartered territory. 
And so he and his traveling companion would go in, they'd pray, they'd fast, they'd cry out to God for miracles, signs, and wonders. There would be an opening of hearts. They had proclaimed the gospel. People would be brought out of darkness to light. And then he would gather enough of them. They'd start a church. He'd raise up elders and leaders. He'd commission them, and he'd go on and do the next thing. So in Acts chapter 16, he's actually going back and he's visiting all of these churches and he's strengthening them in their faith. But what we find here that's interesting is that Paul is trying to go into some new territories and the Holy Spirit is preventing him, prohibiting him. We learned a long time ago uh, in the university that we went to, there was, they'd bring in these missions-oriented speakers all the time. And until I caught a revelation of the missionary heart of God, I really didn't understand this. And then when the Lord invaded my heart with his passion for people and his love for the world, then I would hear this statement. It would make sense. And they would say this statement. They would say that God has already told us to go. He said in Matthew chapter 28, said in Mark chapter 16, Luke chapter 24, John chapter 21, Acts chapter 1. I mean, God has already told us to go. So we have opportunities that pop up like, ah, oh, should I go to El Salvador? Yeah, yes, because he said go, right? Should I, should I go to Eswatini? Yes, yes, you should go because he said go. And he didn't say it once like we learned last week. He has said it multiple times, right? And so they would say this at, at, at ORU. They would say, God has already told you to go. And so just start moving in that direction until he says no. Okay? So every year when we would have these missions chapels and teams would come back and they would share testimonies and they would extend this invitation, then you would hear this phrase, you know, pray about it, think about it, pray, prepare, plan. But at the end of the day, guys, he's already told us to go. The commission has already been elicited. So we're not really asking, God, are you sending me? What we're asking is, God, are you telling me not to? Okay, and that's what's happening with Paul here because Paul's trying to get into these places. Bless your heart, Delaney. I'm so hot and you're so cold. I was burning up in worship and it was not the fire of the Holy Ghost. It was the heater. <laughs> we start carrying blankets in this church. That, pot, that pastor, he's always so hot. All right, so um, anyways, Paul's trying to get into these countries. And what I want to talk with you about in, the, in just the few minutes that we have is how do we cultivate a missional heart? How do we cultivate that? How do we nurture that? Because here's what I know. It is not coincidental or accidental to live on mission. You don't stumble into mission. Right? You're not just, you know, just cruising along in life, and then all of a sudden you start, you start, you know, doing things that are missional in nature. You have to cultivate a missional mentality. Like when you go off to war, you don't just decide, hey, we're going to go to war. Guys, let's do this. Hey, hey, do we have any weapons? I'm not sure. Hey, how fast can you run a mile? Uh, I don't know. I've never tried that before. How many push-ups can you do? Uh, I don't know. I really don't want to try that right now. It's going to hurt. So funny. So many guys this morning are like, hey, are you sore? <laughs> uh, uh, no comment. <laughs> okay. But you don't just stumble into war. You don't just stumble into an assignment. All right? You don't, you don't show up to a test as a student and go, I'm just going to pray in tongues for five minutes and trust that God's going to put in my brain things that I never read in a book. You can't do that. You have to prepare. Okay? 
We have a couple of long-term missionaries, Tim and Kristen. Are they, where's Tim and Kristen at? Tim and Kristen have been devoting the past two years financially, educationally, spiritually, relationally. They have gone and they have hooked themselves up with a missions sending organization. They're going to be going through high level training on what to do. I probably can't even share all this stuff because of the nature of what they're going to be putting their hands to. But when you get yourself in really, really, really sticky situations that are life and death, here's what you do. That's called training. That's called a path. That's called preparation. That's called developing a missional heart. And what I want to share with you today is that it wasn't coincidental that, that, that Paul had seen a man from Macedonia saying, come over here. Paul was already oriented to hearing God. He had already cultivated a heart that said, Lord, I'm going to go wherever you go. Look at the verse. Look at the verse. It says, after he has this vision, he comes together with his missionary team. He shares the vision. And what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Immediately, immediately. How do you see a vision of a man saying, I need you to come over here and help us? And immediately the next day you go, we're, we're out, we're ghost. We're out, we're, we're doing this thing. How do you do that? You do that because you have cultivated a responsive heart. And that just doesn't happen. This doesn't happen overnight. It happens by you positioning yourself in the right place with the right people under the right messages in that place of God where you're saying, Lord, I want to put myself in the place where that when you say go, I can move immediately. I can move immediately. Like that's, the kind of per that's the kind of people that we want to be. We want to be the kind of people that when we see a man or a woman from Macedonia, we come and we share it with the ministry team. It's not, hey, let's put together a five-year strategic plan for that. Like, I think we need to organize about 20 prayer groups. No, no, we, we, our, our response is, okay, how do we move on this as quickly as we can while being as ready as we can? You understand what I'm saying this morning? And it's cultivating this heart. Now, listen, I do understand that there are times and there are seasons when we have to devote one, two, three, four, five years of strategic level preparation. That's not Paul's context. Paul's in it. Paul's in it. He's already gone through the training. He's already gone through the preparation. And now he's living in a life that is motivated and led by the Spirit so that wherever his field of assignment is, the Lord can turn him and move him quickly. And what we want to talk about this morning is we want to talk about being a people that are quick to conclude. Well, you get, we got to look at this verse again here, guys. I was just, this verse was just, it just couldn't get out of my spirit this week. This verse right here in verse 10, after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And the question we have to wrestle with is when God nudges you and when God shows you a dream, and when God puts a person's name on your heart, right? When God puts a person's face, do you conclude that God is calling you to preach the gospel to them, right? Do you conclude? Do, are we a people that naturally conclude, God, I think there's, there's missional activity that's taking place here. Or do we start to reason our way out of that? I ain't talked to that person in two years. I, I can't text them right now. I mean, no, 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 no. When God is dropping someone's 
face in your heart. Let us conclude that there is some God activity that's taking place there. Even if it begins with, Lord, I don't know what this is, but I'm going to pray into it. I'm going to lean into this. I'm not going to be quick to dismiss. Some of us are wondering, why does God never speak to me? Because every time he shares something with us, we always dismiss it. And we always reason our way out of it. And we always make excuses. And he says, well, that's fine. If I'm going to keep telling you to reach these people, and every time I show somebody's face to you, you always talk yourself out of it. I'm going to go find someone else. We had concluded that God had called us to preach the gospel. And here's the question that we need to wrestle with. Who's God calling you to preach the gospel to? Who is God calling you to? Who is God calling you to? H.J., if we can find this, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We'll begin in verse 18. We'll read 18, 19, maybe 20. I want us to look at this verse right here because this right here is the heart of learning to live in the resurrection. It's, it's realizing that this entire enterprise rises and falls on whether or not we respond to a call from God to share this message, to share this testimony, to share this wonder, to share this glory to share this life, 2 Corinthians 5, 18. Let's look at this real quick. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and now gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Remember in John chapter 20 when Jesus, you know, pulls his disciples together after the resurrection and he says something to them. He says, as the Father has sent me, so I Hey, listen, all of our team Eswatini, you guys ought to have that down. <laughs> As the Father has sent me, so I send you. So then it's, it's incumbent upon us to say, well, how did the Father send Jesus? How did the Father send Jesus? Why did the Father send Jesus? In what manner did the Father send Jesus? To what end did the Father send Jesus? It's right here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. So Christ came with a ministry of reconciliation. What is a ministry of reconciliation? A ministry of reconciliation presumes that there is brokenness in the relationship. And the ministry of reconciliation is when a third party mediator comes in and says, hey, listen, hey, listen, father's not mad at you anymore. In fact, in fact, I got really great news. He never was. He never was. Yeah, you blew it royally. Yeah, you screw up and I know that you're running and I know that you're afraid and I know that you don't go, want to go back to Father's house, but I'm, I'm kind of like the older brother and I've been sent back to let you know, hey, hey, dad's not mad. He's not mad. Man, you got to come back home. Man, it's awesome here. And, he, and he's up at night and he can't, he can't sleep because he is just, he's just so distraught over you and he so loves you and you got to know you got to know that we've got some great things at the house, man. Food has gone off the chain ever since you left, man. You got to come back home. I mean, it's incredible. That's what, that's what reconciliation is. It's coming and it's saying where there is brokenness, it can be mended and repaired. And now that's been given to us. I mean, look at the next verse right here, verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and now he's committed to us that message. The mystery of faith that we sang about, the gospel that we proclaim, that we are sons and daughters that are loved deeply by a, by, by a loving father, 
That when we chose to walk away from that, he didn't walk away from us, that he pursued us with passion. He sent his one and only beloved son to come find us and to bring us back into intimate fellowship with him, to bestow upon us a purpose, to place us in a family, to give us a destiny, to resource us for the things that we're called to, to bring his kingdom to bear on the earth. That's life in God and life in the community of faith. But look at the next verse right here, my favorite. It says right here, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. What is an appeal? What is an appeal? It's that same word that we find that the man from Macedonia. What, what was that man doing? What does the scripture say in Acts chapter 16? He's, he was, the, the NASB says that he was appealing. The New King James Version says he was pleading. And the NIV says he was begging. So the, the picture that we get here is this is not something that's light. We have a man that shows up to Paul, and he is saying that this is life or death. Like, honestly, we don't know. We're, we're in the throes of despair. We're throwing ashes on ourselves. We're sitting down. We're looking around, and we're saying, we need to just sell all this. This is done. It's over. It's over. It's over. It's over. Right? Think about the youth in our city who go, it's over prematurely. Think about the man who is not willing to fight for his marriage anymore and goes, it's over. And you could be the one that steps in and intervenes because somewhere there is someone that is appealing and pleading and begging and saying, will you please come over here? We need what you have. We need this message that you carry. We need this hope that you have. We need this resourcement by the spirit. There's something that you carry that we need. And look at this verse right here. As though God were making his appeal through us. So, you know, I think what we've done is that we've just turned, we've, we've made evangelism about us. Well, I'm smart enough. Uh, I, I didn't pray enough. Uh, I don't know how to answer all the intellectual, you know, atheists out there. Let's don't just, hey, listen, then don't respond on their playing field. Go out there and beg people to be reconciled to God. Go out there and allow the heart of God to sync up with your heart and weep in front of them if you have to, but go and say, there is a God who loves you. There is a God who is making his appeal to you through me that he wants to know you and he wants you to know him. And there is a life that is far greater than anything you have ever touched or experienced. And friend, I'm begging you. I'm, be I'm pleading with you. Think about this. Think about this. Hey, it's okay if, you don't, if you're not ready to take the plunge right now, man, but I'm pleading with you. I'm making an appeal to you. Would you at least consider this? Would you at least come to service with me? Would you at least come to our service in the park? Would you at least come to our barbecue after church? Would you, would you just, would you think about it? Right? And we've just made this so sterile. We've made it so like, hey, you know, hey, if you take it or leave it. No, man, listen to this language. There is a man that is begging Paul. You've got to help us. You've got to help us. And here's, here's what I'm telling you today. I want to position my heart and I want to position my life through prayer and fasting, through worship, through intercession, through the disciplines of God, through being around people that are on fire and who care. I mean, guys, man, there are so many things that are vying for our affections. 
But at the end of the day, there are only a few things that matter. There are only a few things that matter. And I want to position myself where I can see the faces of people in my own city, my own neighbor. I want to be able to respond to the call. I want to be able to hear the call. I want to be a man that can hear the call of God. And I want to be a man that can respond to the call of God. And I want that to be this house. I mean, I'm starting, I've just started praying for the lost in a way like I used to. In a way like I used to. I've been crying out to God. God, fill this house with new blood and new believers and new life. And man, I'm grateful for the baptisms of people that have been in the church for years. But God, I want some people that are baptized here on this stage or in our own pools or, my God, in ponds. I don't care. (laughs) But I want some people that are baptized that were literally snatched from the jaws of hell. I want people that are baptized through the people of Antioch that walked into Life Network and were thinking about killing their baby in their belly, but then they encountered something that changed their life because we're a praying house, because we're pleading with God and we're saying, God, move through us. We're pleading with God. God, move through us. God, change the intensity of our prayer lives. Change the tone. God, we're willing to wrestle with you like Jacob wrestled with you. God, we want to live purposeful lives in you. And we want to be responsive when we hear you calling through the people of God around us, people of the world around us. So I want to invite you to stand with me to your feet this morning. Thank you for listening to the Antioch Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about us, visit AntiochCOS.com.